Hello, everyone. My name is Andrew Cron. It's a privilege to share with you the CCS Spotlight on the Next Generation. The Spotlight on the Next Generation is an innovative series of videos and podcasts that feature five early career Canadian cardiology specialists having a conversation with global cardiovascular leaders. With this initiative, we're hoping to foster this back and forth dialogue between our future leaders and some of the giants in cardiology. Each of these will be a five to 10 minute conversation that will cover emerging diagnostic and therapeutic areas in a variety of fields, including heart failure, interventional cardiology, cardiac surgery, cardio-oncology, and preventive cardiology. I hope you enjoy them. Hello, everyone. My name is Hussam abdel Qadir. I am a cardiologist and clinician scientist at Women's College Hospital and the Peter Monk Cardiac Center at the University of Toronto. I want to start off by um, thanking the CCS uh, for the opportunity to speak on the important topic of cardio-oncology and want to thank the attendees for taking the time to listen to us today. Uh, my name is Dinesh Tavendranathan. I'm a cardiologist at the Piedmont Cardiac Centre and Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Toronto. And I'm the director of the Ted Rogers Program in Cardiotoxicity Prevention and want to thank CCS for the opportunity as well. So today we're speaking about the field of cardio-oncology uh, this is a, f a field that's becoming more and more familiar to many of you who are watching. Uh, cardio-oncology is still relatively a young field, uh, but over the past 10 years especially, we have had an exponential increase uh, in cardio-oncology programs, perhaps uh, with the need, uh, with the increasing need to care for patients who develop cardiovascular disease and have cancer as well. One of the things that we have learned in the field of cardio-oncology is that the, the uh, cancer care of patients has gone beyond just academic centers and cancer care is occurring everywhere in the province. So when patients develop cardiovascular disease, it is important that most cardiologists should be able to provide sound advice to the oncologist and help guide management. So I think the uh, cardio-oncology, instead of being just a specialized um, uh, area, I think it should be a core competency for a general cardiologist. Kusama, I would love your thought on this. Uh, Dinesh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think one of the things that attracted me to cardio-oncology is that it's challenged me in every aspect of being a good general cardiologist. You know, I think every cardiologist will have to deal with cancer patients. Uh, we estimate that one in four Canadians will get cancer in their lifetime. And thankfully, two-thirds of these people will go on to be considered long-term survivors. Just by pure chance, a cardiolo as cardiologists, we will have to deal with cardiovascular disease in someone who has survived cancer. And it's important that we consider whether their cancer or their treatment contributed to the cardiovascular disease that we're dealing with. And then we will increasingly deal with people who develop cardiac disease while they're being treated for their cancer. And this is sort of where we have to step beyond the traditional thinking of LV dysfunction as um, the bread and butter of cardio-oncology. Because in addition to just the LV dysfunction that happens from um, cardiomyocyte death from chemotherapy, we have autoimmune uh, myocarditis, uh, which, a lot, which requires us to kind of pull from what we learned from our advanced heart failure rotations about treating advanced uh, acute cellular rejection. We also have to think about the um, other forms of cardiac disease. So a lot of cancer treatments, as well as radiation therapy, promote accelerated coronary disease. And then the coronary disease that it develops can involve uh, patterns with multiple vessels, uh, difficult lesions that are more challenging to treat. Um, have to put on our EP hats because many uh, 
cancer treatments will cause QT prolongation and can promote arrhythmias. And some of the newer targeted medications are also well recognized to cause atrial fibrillation. We even have to think about valve disease from things like radiation or carcinoid um, heart disease. Uh, some diseases, some uh, treatments also cause pulmonary hypertension. So we really have to think about every aspect of being a cardiologist. And we can't really just expect that these are only gonna be concerns in tertiary centers because a lot of these cancer drugs that have cardiotoxic side effects improve survival. So they're becoming the standard of care for many cancers and they're increasingly going to the community. So regardless of your practice, what field of cardiology you do, you're likely going to have to deal with cardio-oncology. So this is assessment of left ventricular function in patients receiving cancer therapy, ECG monitoring for QT and troponin elevations. And to some degree, one of the concerns is that you know, we are identifying perhaps clinical and subclinical cardiovascular disease in patients with cancer, but what's the long-term impact of this? This is really important disease. You know, how should we be managing it and how should we be following these patients? I think it's an area that is unexplored in the area and a key issue in the area. I would love your opinion on that too. Well, I think it is important, right? Otherwise, we, otherwise this field wouldn't have developed. We've recognized that cardiovascular disease is the leading competing cause of death in cancer survivors. Uh, but as we look more, we're going to find more asymptomatic and subclinical disease, and we really have to understand what to do with it. Um, so searching for mild LV dysfunction in patients treated with trastuzumab, for example, atrial fibrillation in the setting of targeted uh, treatments such as abrutinib, or uh, mild troponin elevations that we're picking up when we're screening patients who are being treated with checkpoint inhibitors because we're worried about really bad fulminant myocarditis. And I, this is going to be one of the clinical and research priorities in the field of cardio-oncology. And I think we'll accomplish this in two ways. So part of it is the research that you and I are doing, where we're systematically collecting long-term data on patients with these abnormalities. But then I also believe that as we as cardiologists see those patients, our collective knowledge and our collective experience that we share with each other will frame the importance of these abnormalities. I agree with you of the importance, um, you know, of thinking about what's important cardiovascular disease in these patients. And I think we have discussed that one of the ways we deal with that is, is really to be able to risk stratify patients, to understand which patients are at risk, and then to cater our monitoring strategies or follow-up strategies based on patient-specific risk. And unfortunately, this is something that we don't, or we are just learning to do in the field. And I, you know, you have recently done some work where you have looked at a risk prediction model for cardiovascular disease in patients with breast cancer, which I think is extremely important work. So do you want to talk a little bit about sort of precision medicine approaches uh, in, in cardio-oncology? So the work that we have done and the work that others have done, I believe, has mostly focused on the approach of trying to figure out who is going to have... Um, a bad cardiovascular outcome, which then builds on trying to think about the impact of the cancer treatment and someone's baseline risk. So in doing so, we're thinking about who has hypertension, who have diabetes, and who has baseline LV dysfunction. And although this is helpful, it still feels a bit reactive, right? Because we're still, the underlying assumption is, well, this person is going to develop cardiotoxicity, who's going to be able to tolerate it well, and who isn't. And I do think that the next wave of thinking will involve trying to get to the root of the matter. Oncologists always teach us that cancer is a genetic disease, and therefore the treatment of cancer is increasingly focused on trying to target specific cellular 
molecular or, or, um, or specific physiologic pathways. And I do think within cardio-oncology, we're going to have to think in a similar manner, where we're gonna to have to understand what are the genetic tendencies that predispose some patients to getting anthracycline toxicity and not others? What are the cellular pathways, specific cellular pathways uh, you know, uh, that are being activated? What genes are being expressed? Um, you know, what RNA is being transcribed? And I think we are going to have to factor, take these, um, to take these factors and trying to determine who is at risk for developing cardiotoxicity or who is on their way to developing cardiotoxicity so that we can intervene earlier. Now, you mentioned learning about mechanisms, and I think something that's underappreciated in the field of cardio-oncology is how cardio-oncology can really help us help inform cardiovascular disease in general and understand the mechanisms of cardiovascular injury and perhaps provide pathways that would be relevant for the management of cardiovascular disease in general. Uh, so this is something that's under discussed and uh, like you to sort of take this and maybe provide your insight into this. I couldn't agree more. And I do think this is sort of the biggest promise of cardio-oncology because we're really being forced to think about the molecular underpinnings of cardiovascular disease in ways that we didn't know before. But we're also getting useful clues because we know what molecular pathways are being targeted by these cancer drugs. Not only that, but this is really going to be the only setting where we ethically will be allowed to give humans something that we know is going to harm their cardiovascular system. We know how it's going to harm it and we know when they're gonna receive it and at what dose. So it offers us the opportunity to try and study the evolution of, car of the occurrence of cardiac injury and then the evolution of the cardiovascular response to it. Then there's also interesting shared pathways between cancer and cardiovascular disease. So for example, clonal hematopoiesis of indeterminate potential or CHIP, there are clonal populations of myeloid cells that predispose towards leukemias but we also learned that even if they do not lead to leukemias, they predispose towards atherosclerosis with a, with a very large relative risk and creating a huge, exciting path uh, towards understanding atherosclerosis and cardiovascular disease in general. Thanks. It's a wonderful discussion. I think this is a tremendous uh, feel, lots of growth, lots of opportunity. And for those young individuals who are watching, and this is a field where uh, there's much needed and uh, you know, those who are doing, um, uh, who are interested in the field, I think can contribute significantly to how we care for patients with cancer and cardiovascular disease. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, Dinesh. Thank you for mentoring me, um, giving me the opportunity to be in a position where I can take care of these patients. I want to again, thank the CCS and for everyone attending today. Mm -hmm.